Welcome to episode 320 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. We got a good one in store for you this week. Back-to-back interviews. What's going on? Uh, scheduling. Scheduling successes. It's almost like we're on top of our shit, Marshall. <laughs> you mostly, but yeah, sure. <laughs> and also almost. <laughs> and almost, yeah. Uh, we got a good interview. We're catching up with Pablo Stanley today. Pablo is a designer, but as you will soon learn, so much more. He's everything. Everything. Uh, a renaissance man of our times. Truly. Before we get into that, though, we have some new supporters this week on our Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much to new support from Stephen Hathaway, Oscar Lozano, and Struan Robertson. Thank you for your support. You make this possible. You truly make the show possible. So thank you. Also, huge thank you to Sisu. Sisu's looking for a thoughtful and data-savvy designer to help build the next generation of analytics software. You can find more at sisu.ai. That's S-I-S-U dot A-I. As we mentioned before, Design Details is moving to a listener-supported model. So if you are interested in making the show possible, head to patreon.com slash design details. Uh, if you've been enjoying the show and want to give back and help us and help us keep the lights on and, and cover the costs that it takes to make the show every week, uh, every dollar helps. It really means the world to us. That's patreon.com slash design details. Design Details is also sponsored this week by Flatiron. Whether you are an entrepreneur running your own business or a marketer diving deeper into user behavior, or if you're just a designer who wants to level up your creative chops, you can do that at Flatiron School. They have a 24-week program just for you at one of their global WeWork campuses or online where you have committed instructors uh, with both industry and teaching experience helping you level up your design skills. You're going to work on actual client projects. And when you graduate, you'll come out of there with a portfolio of actual work that you can showcase, like real client work. This is a great way to level up, uh, help ease yourself into a new career if you're interested in design, or just build confidence and have uh, the support of a school and teachers, as well as a dedicated career coach. So if all this sounds interesting and you're ready to level up, head to flatironschool.com slash design details, and you can learn about this 24-week program. That money-back guarantee is, of course, dependent on terms and conditions, which you can read at flatironschool.com slash terms. So it's time to level up. Head to flatironschool.com slash design details. Thanks, Flatiron. All right, moving on. Marshall, I am really excited for this next bit. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about a movie that you saw this week. Yeah. So your cool thing last week was this movie called Parasite. And you told me to not watch the trailer, not do do any learning about it. Just go in blind and come out with your mind blown. And that is exactly what I did. (laughs) Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it. I, I very much liked it. It was the story was something I did. I don't think I've ever seen before. The themes are really well established, but not, you know, beating you over the head with it. I, th- I thought that, like, all the acting was great. The casting is fantastic. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and and knowing now that, uh, I guess I didn't realize that it was the Snowpiercer guy. And and he has a whole slew of other films that he's made, like The Host and... Yep. Mother. Some, like, uh, Mother and... Uh, wait. Not the Darren Aronofsky mother, the other mother. Other mother, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brother from another mother. And like Oja or something like that is like a, it's about like meat processing. Yeah. So I need to go back and watch some of his back catalog now that I have an appreciation for his modern work. 
yeah, I, I just thought it was great. Everybody should go see it. There was an uncomfortable sex scene, but aside from that, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> which, but it was, it adds to the story. Like, I don't think it was gratuitous. I think it was trying to show, like, illustrate a specific clinicalness to uh, an element of the characters. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. That's not what I got out of it, but okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that makes that makes more sense in well, context. Here, I'll say this: you saw it last Wednesday. I saw it again last Friday. So okay. I saw it twice and it, i enjoyed it just as much the second time even knowing all the things that that happened and i was paying attention for like early references to future themes and really really well done in my opinion so yeah thinking back on it i i definitely picked up on a lot of those themes that were introduced early that i just had no idea were themes when they were introduced you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. but what's really interesting is it is like it's like three or four different movies, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, it's it very funny. And it, uh, we should say it's a Korean film subtitled. So go being ready to read. <laughs> um, but like the humor comes across no problem whatsoever, crosses the language divide. Uh, it's actually quite hilarious at points. It's terrifying at points. It's really sad at points. It's it's a great fucking roller coaster ride. Go in blind. Don't know any more than what I just said and and see it. It's really good. Cool. I'm really happy that you saw it. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you recommend it. I probably it probably would never have hit my radar. Or if it did, I'd be like, "Uh, eh, subtitles. I don't know. Is this is this a good movie? I don't know. Whatever." And and I probably probably would have passed me by. So I'm glad you called it out. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for follow-up. Should we get into our episode? <laughs> the most important follow-up, Movies Marshall Watch. Okay. <laughs> this is really... Hey, everyone, this is relevant shit. You know, <laughs> buckle up. Seriously, like this, like there are really long takes and like the cinematography. Just if, if you go, I didn't pay attention as closely in the beginning because I didn't realize that cinematography was going to be such an important aspect of it. But like pay attention to the shots, pay attention to the length of the shots, the direction the camera is moving at all. It all feeds towards a, a central uh, idea. It's really good. Yeah, man. Oh. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do this episode. You're, we got a we got an interview today. Yeah. So here's our interview with Pablo Stanley. Pablo, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is an honor. I I'm, I'm hearing that this is uh, episode three hundred and twenty. Is that the true? Is that in the rumor mill right now? <laughs> That's what yes. they say. People are saying this is episode 320. <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. Yeah. yeah. So how? how? 320, that's a lot. That's a lot of work. That's commitment. Yeah. You know what they say about uh, walking a thousand miles? Uh, no, I don't starts know. Starts with a single step. Starts with a single step. That's Correct. right. Yes. So we just go one week at a time and we're... 320 weeks into that i don't know. actually fewer than that fewer because yeah. we used to do two a week yeah yeah oh i see got it got it got it that's a that's a good strategy to get you started and get get you to that yeah. uh a thousand <laughs> uh well it was a good strategy but it was also incredibly stressful uh, so yeah. one of these a week is enough <laughs> we were doing two a week and they were all interviews we were just scheduling and recording on mondays and wednesdays which is like a brutal schedule to be recording uh so yeah i don't know if i would do that again yeah and, and and more because you i mean you have jobs and you have other projects and other stuff so i'm i'm sure that it's uh it's hard to uh to keep doing this but uh but you keep doing it every week keep doing it every week mm -hmm. well you are no stranger to doing all sorts of side projects but maybe in case some people haven't heard of you although 
I don't know the odds of that because you are uh, quite popular on the internet. Uh, for people who don't know, could you tell us about yourself, like who you are and, and where you are right now? Yes. So I am Pablo Stanley. I'm a designer. I'm originally from Mexico. Currently, I'm working as a lead designer at Envision. Envision is a, it's an app for prototyping. And we uh, also have a design tool called Studio. And I'm working with that team. Uh, and it's a design tool specifically for product designers, for screen designers. I also co-founder of a company called Carbon Health. I uh, uh, potentially you mentioned that uh, uh, that are popular on the internet. <laughs> so uh -huh. I, I suppose I'm popular on the interwebs because of uh, I, I'm giving uh, uh, design workshops and I given like live streams and uh, I do tutorials and and I share a lot of like my, my work and I think I'm just like a spammer that's probably why people <laughs> uh, know me because I'm very very annoying so yeah so uh, at me on the Instagram at uh, on Twitter <laughs> at, uh, no, I'm kidding and follow and, on the socials smash that like and subscribe button on Pablo's yeah. face yeah uh, well you are you are a YouTuber you're a podcaster you give talks, you make comics, like, I don't know, the list just goes on. It, it, in fact, when I was preparing for this, I just kept going down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, here's another thing Pablo worked on. Oh, here's another thing. Oh, here's some illustrations of butts. I bet that's Pablo. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we can, we can, uh, we can discuss this for one hour if you want to. About, the the uh, butts, butts illustrations. Butts illustrations. Yes. <laughs> yes. All of that. Uh, uh, but but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I I suppose I I am one of those people that gets distracted with, with many things, uh, and I just see a new shiny toy or a new idea, and I just want to do it and make it. And then, uh, but there's that's a double edged sword because yeah, then it is, after so. that I am like, okay, next thing, uh, I don't care about this anymore. And then I don't, I don't follow up on, on that other thing that I that I was so passionate about thirty minutes ago, <laughs> and I'm just looking for a new thing. Uh, it's kind of like a drug uh, sometimes. I mean, it, but it is a, really a double-edged sword. Like on the one hand, you get to explore so many different ideas, and in your case, technologies and styles and and different kinds of things. But at the same time, it feels. Um, I mean, I, I've been in similar situations and it feels exhausting. It almost feels also guilty, like th certain things get left halfway complete and you're like <laughs> living in correct. the graveyard of your own side projects. Yeah, correct. I, I just look back and it's like, oh, I wish I had done that. And I, and, and I wish I had, I don't know, like uh, some stuff that I've done, like it has meant something for other people. Uh, you know, and, and or other people like uh, subscribed and, and, and are looking forward to just to hear more about that project. And for me, sometimes it's like, oh, but I'm 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 over it. And I, and I and I moved on from that. And so, yeah, that guilt can exist. And sometimes I try to go back and just like uh, uh, do something about it. But uh, my my heart is not in it anymore. And, and, and yeah. it's, uh, it's 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 weird. And it's. It's weird, but it's fantastic too because I I, I cherish the uh, being able to just like a move forward with new things, and uh, I also feel like I sometimes like uh, I'm learning new things, and then those things uh, help me 
on the, my new project, just like I, I learn a new thing and now I can potentially try that new thing on a different thing and mix different skills or different styles or uh, uh, different technologies to create something even like a, another new thing. So I, I try to focus on that positive side of that that stuff or, or working like that. Well, I guess you, you mentioned like when your heart's not in it anymore. Do you think it's all about the emotional point of view or perspective on these projects? Or do you think that there's maybe a correlation of the thing gets hard, like you get over the initial learning curve and you get to the hard parts and then you maybe move on? That is true. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that too, where suddenly like it's not, sometimes like a, a, I would start a project in a very uh, non-scalable, scrappy way. And then suddenly if it, like the next level will be like actually uh, putting more resources into it or uh, uh, putting in a new technology that allows it to grow more or even sometimes you even put money in it and and and, and put more resources into it. And, and sometimes like, well, number one, uh, and, and sometimes that resource is time and, 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 and Time is some, one of those things that I value the most and that I know that uh, that I don't have a lot of control. And, and there's so much I can do uh, to control how, how how much time I can use. So when if my heart is not into it, then I shouldn't put uh, time into it. Uh, but but yeah, but it's also and, and, and it's. And it will require even more time because it's going to be more difficult too. So then it's like, oh, it, it, it's not worth it too. But uh, but yeah, it's also, I don't know. Uh, you make a good point where uh, that guilt of that feeling that is that I didn't take it to the next level, I, I, I do feel it. And hopefully I, I will stick to one thing one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I'll say like from my perspective, having done that for a long time, like bounced around between side projects and different types of tools and technologies is at the end of it, I feel like I've gone really wide, but not really deep. I feel very much like a generalist, but a fairly shallow generalist, I, I would suppose. Do you ever feel the same way or or do you feel like you get the right amount of depth on each of these things? Yeah, and, and I I totally agree. I, 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 I totally uh, identify with that where I I feel like it I can do a lot of different things or uh, I have interest in a lot of different things but as soon as it it I go a little bit deeper then it starts getting a little bit more complicated and then I will I will lose interest so uh, I I do tend to be very wide but shallow too I and and I uh, I think I also I thrive in an environment when there are a lot of uh, unknowns and there are a lot of things that uh, there's when there there are, there's an opportunity to do a lot of different things and I thrive there uh, when but after that when the unknowns are not unknowns anymore and now you just have to do the work and now you just have to continue doing it and you just have to the only way forward is going deeper then that's when i, I i'm not as uh, efficient and i'm not i'm not as good anymore so i tend to jump to the next thing but i, I think i see that as a as a quality too i see that as a as, as a strength and and uh, hopefully I get to work with other people that see those strength, that strength too, and then uh, get 
pass that project or that thing to someone else that it thrives in the environment where they care more about the details and how to grow something because there's other people that thrive in that environment and don't thrive when there are a lot of unknowns and when there are a lot of things that are that are they're not uh, set uh, so and and I thrive in that environment so I think it's a uh, it's a good thing and uh, it's just like a, a matter of like uh, being able to be put in, on that project where those skills can be put into uh, good use. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And actually, I guess, Marshall, I'd be curious how you feel about this, too. But you, you mentioned this sense of efficiency. And I feel like I've gotten to maybe a dangerous point where I'm actually quite fast at doing certain things. And so when I'm learning something new, it takes me... It, it, it moves so slow that I feel like I'm wasting my time. Like uh, if I'm learning a new, I don't know, programming language or new framework or something like that, it goes so slowly that in the back of my head, I'm like, I could have probably accomplished a lot more knowing the things that I'm, or doing the things that I'm already really good at. I don't know, have you ever felt that? And, and like, does the efficiency, feels bad to be worried about efficiency that much, but it, it is in the back of my head when I'm doing new things. I'd be curious both of your perspectives. Well, because Marshall, you're learning some new stuff right now as well. Yeah, I think I'm a lot like Pablo, where growing something that exists is, is far less interesting to me than defining something that's unknown. If, if I understood you correctly, Pablo, is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, uh, when you get to define and when you get to uh, set the things, set the rules, or at least uh, set the vision of where this could go, because uh, you see all, you see the opportunities, you see, yeah. it, it's very clear potentially for you uh, where this could go or, uh, and, and, it for some people like when it's just a blank canvas, it, it's so scary, right? Because there's there's nothing set. So uh, uh, for some people, th some people thrive in the blank canvas, while other people need to be to have a guide and, and need to have uh, some a grid of where things should be set. An eight point grid, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eight point grid. <laughs> Weird. I, I think I'm kind of in the middle, like this is kind of how I describe it is like, I'm good at molding clay, right? Like I'm not good at creating clay. And once the sculpture is done, I don't want to like finish it and polish it and everything, but like, I'm good at molding clay that already exists and doesn't have a form. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. the middle, the middle part. Yeah. It's the middle, it's the middle stuff. It's like, okay, we know kind of what we want to do, but we're not exactly sure how we get there. Boom. That's me. Like I'm like, I like solving puzzles and that's the puzzle. As soon as I've solved the puzzle, I've lost interest. Hmm. Are you the same way, Pablo? Yeah, something similar. Yeah, so I don't think I'm interested in making the clay either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I will be interested in just like uh, playing with the clay too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, tossing as we call yes, it. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't actually know the lingo, but I'm pretty sure that is a a word, right? Throwing clay. Throwing. I think oh, is, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throwing clay. That's the that's the industry term, Brian. I believe. Actually, it's a New York thing. We say tossing clay on the East Coast. <laughs> there, <laughs> okay, you okay. there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll back up, Pablo. I want to understand a little bit because you know I think we might have met before at a in uh, Epic Currents, but we haven't really gotten to know each other. So I'm curious just to know how you ended up in this world. Um, so maybe we could start from the beginning. Like you said, you're from Mexico. Uh, what part? Uh, yes, I am from Baja California, Baja California Norte, 
which is uh, like uh, it's right on the border with uh, California and the United States. Uh, and I grew up in a little town. Well, it's not a little town. I call it a little town because I, I'm like that. But uh, it's <laughs> from a place called Mexicali, and it's in it's a border uh, city, uh, in, in border with Calexico. And yeah, I uh, Mexicali and Calexico. I love it. It's great. Uh, yes, exactly. Mexicali, um, combination of two words. Uh, somebody back in 1900 thought they were really clever. With the clever uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm a big and, fan of portmanteaus so you win with me i'm good <laughs> yes and i uh lived in san diego for some time like as soon as i uh, finished uh school i moved to san diego and i worked there for some time and then i moved to you, san francisco you went to school in mexico though yes in mexicali i i stayed there like uh, when i was about to choose where to go I, I was actually going to study, I don't know how you say it in English, but it's a physical mathematics, which is a f physics and mathematics. Sure. There you go. I think you just figured it out. Yeah. I was going to study that in Ensenada, which is also in Baja California. But then the uh, design major opened up in, in Mexicali, just like a, a French university just like a new university was like hey we have this thing called design uh, and i was like oh i've always played with like uh design tools i would love to know more about that so then after that i just like uh yeah i went into that that wait what what design tools are you playing with uh well design tools like i, I don't even remember that's the worst uh but Back then, I was playing, I suppose, like even with Dreamweaver, uh, Corel Draw, yeah. uh, and also uh, just like Microsoft Paint. Uh, like for me, that was a design tool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tool. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember trying a lot of uh, different demos of different tools back then, like animation tools and 3D tools. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like 1997, 1998. Uh, like uh, and and I tried those tools from uh, they will come as demos in magazines like in a CD and I would just install that and just like play around with those things so I was like oh my god so <laughs> I I was like oh I I've been playing with those things and I love playing with those things I'm pretty sure that design might be about that so yeah I started that uh, uh in, in Spanish we said carrera I don't know how you say it in, in in English. I say major, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, major. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was your perspective on like U.S. culture at that point? Did you want to being so close to the states? Did you, is that a place you wanted to go, or were you happy where you were? Yeah, uh, being in a border town is really different from being, I suppose, uh, somewhere in the center or the south because you're really influenced by American culture. And I don't know, like being so close to the United States, you 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 want to have a little bit of that, and you you see the United States as the good side, and uh, the Mexican side as the 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 bad corrupt side. I I'm probably generalizing, but uh, but it's like hey, that's it's like having a a neighbor with a nice lawn and the big house and every and the 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 expensive car 
and you want a little bit of that and you get a little bit jealous and you want a little bit of that life. So, uh, and being so close, you, you, you get that. So yes, you, at least I grew up like seeing United States as the place where I would, uh, if I wanted to grow and, and, and live a better life and follow the American dream, well, it would be in the United States. So there's, there's a saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. Did you find that to be true? Uh, it is, uh, it is greener, uh, uh, in one aspect. <laughs> sure. uh, I think, uh, <laughs> again, I, I think I was inf very influenced by being in, 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 in a border town. And uh, being someone that like uh, like grows up there, like the culture is very different from like uh, someone that lives in Mexico City, for example. Uh, Mexico City, I'm I'm sure people don't care about the United States or living there or uh, seeking an opportunity over there uh, because it's so far away, and also because their culture is is so strong and that that is like. They don't see it as something attractive versus me being so close for me like for me it was like no that's that's where the good stuff is uh that's where the uh, uh like you're saying like where the, the the grass is greener so i i think it's different it's only uh, I, I i can say that uh, obviously in the beginning for me it was yeah this is this is it this is where i'm, I'm seeking the american dream and i'm living, trying to live it now that I've been able to, this year I've actually been able to like travel around the world and, and, and I've been actually here for the last month I've been here in Mexico City and I realized like, oh, uh, that was just one grass, but it's not the greenest, it's just different. And, 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 and yeah, I get to appreciate my culture and I feel like, oh, why, I feel proud of now being like Mexican and being a, uh, 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 part of this history and and part of this uh, uh, amazing I don't know history and culture and 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 my nationality now I feel like it's it's more important uh, than it used to be which uh, I think it was very influenced by me being in a border town. My understanding is that Mexico City is like the hot spot right now in terms of I don't know like 2016 2017 was like Iceland right every designer on the face of the earth went to Iceland and took photos. Uh, I yeah. feel like Mexico City is kind of the next Iceland in that regard. What do you think? I, I can see that it's... Look, when you go to a place and in one corner you have uh, vegan food, like all vegan food, and then in the other corner you have uh, baristas that are uh, roasting their own uh, coffee, you you know you're starting to get to a place where the <laughs> number one the rent is getting more expensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, good, that, good that, leading that, indicators of expensive rent. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and also that other people uh, are potentially moving there and it's getting a little bit gentrified. So I can see that uh, you see it on the streets, specifically in some neighborhoods here in Mexico City, like La Roma, Condesa, uh, Juarez. Uh, which is like kind of in the center of, of Mexico. Uh, and these are like really nice neighborhoods, um, at least now. Uh, and historically too, they like the architecture is, is beautiful and amazing and has a lot of parks. And now it has been taken over by uh, a lot of uh, people that, uh, from other countries. And you see people on the street just like uh, speaking in English. 
and uh, people from all over the place. So yes, I suppose, and, and I'm pretty sure some of them are, or a lot of them are designers. But you see <laughs> a lot of artists, a lot of uh, uh, people working in production and 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 like, uh, I don't know, like a, also in Mexico City, there's a lot of uh, all the telenovelas and all the uh, uh, movies are also made here. So it's kind of like a little bit of, uh, like Mexican Hollywood too. So you will see a lot of artists too and a lot of uh, uh, actors too. So, and, and, and performers. So that's, uh, you, you will encounter a lot of that too, which is great. And, and by the way, it's, it's, uh, I think there's, there's around 160 or 162 museums here. And, and it's one of the cities with most museums in the world, most art in the world. So it, it, that, I don't know. It's amazing. You you can spend a full month just visiting different museums here in Mexico. So yeah, everyone is invited, and I'm pretty sure is that that is uh, an attraction for designers and visual artists. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, let's back up again. So you, you grew up in the border town, Mexicali or Calexico? Which one? Uh, Mexicali. In, in Mexicali. Mexico okay. Side. Yes. And and then you said you went to school. In Mexicali. Okay. And you majored in, in design. What was that like? It was a new program, right? Uh, yeah, it was a new program. So uh, since it was a new, uh, and it was also a new university, they just had just opened it. So they didn't have any resources. It was so <laughs> bad. Like the, the people that taught me uh, design, they were not designers. They were None of my professors were designers. The, and, and the closest they could get uh, were architects. So a lot of the things that they taught me were on architecture. <laughs> so oh, was, that's kind of cool. I was deciding a lot of like houses and like fachadas. I don't know how you say like the fronts. Facades. Uh, yeah, facades. Yeah, correct. Uh, and, and, and the floor plans and all that stuff. But I never had to use that in my life. I was going to say, did any of that carry over? <laughs> no, it sounds like I, no. I mean, uh, you, you get the basics and you get like, okay, how to present work, how to be clear and all that stuff. But, uh, but no, it's just like a, they had to work with what they had. So sure. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for what I learned from them, but I know that I could have, I learned more on the street and I learned more from actually uh, while I was in, in, in school, I was also working as a designer at a, a like a design agency. So that's where I learned most of my stuff. What kind of design? It was actually, well, I say design agency, that sounds fancy, but we were, it was not fancy at all. We did all the signs for like markets and all the stuff for the outdoors, for the outside of uh, any store. So like uh, vinyl cut stickers and that you would put on the windows or on the signs or even on cars. And I would design all that stuff. And I would also put it because we didn't have a lot of resources. So I was the one also like sticking, <laughs> putting, putting all the up. stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I had to do a lot of uh, uh, cars that uh, people wanted to have flames on the sides of their cars. So obviously, yeah. Yes. And so they were like racing cars and they would just like, I would design their flames that would be on the sides of their cars. <laughs> and I would like actually stick them, but I hated that so much. I really? hated just the, yeah, I, 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 I'm not into car culture and all that stuff and fast cars and all that. And, and also for me, it was just like so 
it, it is really tacky to put that stuff, but that's <laughs> what it was paying. And that's what clients wanted. So I will design it. I feel like your story could have gone a slightly different direction. Like maybe you became a streetcar driver, like a, what do we call it? Like a street racer. Yes. I, uh, yeah. An illegal streetcar racer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that could have been one way of, uh, that, that could have been a path that I could have taken, but uh, I chose not. <laughs> well, so when you were hating doing all the flames, uh, what were you dreaming of? Like, what was the, the end goal there uh, with the design stuff? Yeah. I think uh, I, my dream was like, oh, I'll start my own uh, brand of clothing and just like design my own uh, brand, which I did. I actually, I opened my own store and I, all the clothing in the store was stuff that was designed by me. I even like, uh, learn like fashion design. And this was while you were in college. No, this was after college. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, after college, I, well, while I was in college, I was starting it. And after college is when I opened the store. Is this like a brick and mortar store? Yeah, like a brick and mortar store. Yeah, like online stores were not a thing back then. Or they they were, but at least not in Mexico. You wouldn't. And, and I think that there's still some, uh, uh, some people will be very cautious about buying something online in, in Mexico or at least in some stores. Uh, but uh, But back then it was just like, no, it was like nonsensical to buy something online. So yeah, I will. I, I opened my own store. Wait, wait, don't rush through this. Like that yeah. sounds so scary and risky. Yeah. And how do you get the money and the the like merchandise? And there, it seems like there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. Well, so I finished uh, school and then I went to work in San Diego. And uh, working in San Diego, I was able to save some money. And then uh, while I was still working, I opened the store. So I had two jobs. I was working in San Diego and I had the store. And, and yeah, like pretty much I was working to finance my dream of my clothing brand, <laughs> which was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like I see the designs now, I was like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Oh no. But the whole idea was like uh, around like some characters, like I created uh, like different characters and the characters had like merchandising uh, and, 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 and that was like an, an and, and tote bags and, and pins and, and t-shirts and sweatshirts. But I also did like actual like fashion design. At least that's what I thought. And I would like design dresses and, and, and I would do catwalks with uh, like, I also like play in different bands. And I know, knew a lot of musicians. So I will create events where uh, different musicians will be playing live while there was a fashion show going on. What? with my stuff yeah this was like a long time ago man this was back in what 2005 i think yeah so i was doing a like fashion shows with my stuff and that's how i would present the my my stuff to the world and uh but the world was uh seriously just mexicali because i was working in san diego but my my store was in mexicali uh i was still uh attached to to my city yeah yeah so you're driving a lot i presume i was driving a lot yes yeah and, and it's like a two-hour drive so it wasn't as hard but it was still uh pretty bad i don't know yeah when you were I mean, young well, you're also working a full-time job that's kind of brutal yeah yeah it, it, it was i don't know like you can do it when you when you i, I know i'm going to sound a little bit of um I don't know. I when 
potentially privileged, but I, I, when you love the thing that you do, just it doesn't feel like work and you just do it. Uh, and I have the privilege to, uh, to being able to do something that I love. So for me, it was, it was no work and it was, I, I would do it again. So yeah, it was in a, I don't know. It, it, there wasn't a lot of effort for me. It's just like a, something that I had to do. Gotcha. Well, so how long did you do that for the clothing brand? I stopped in 2008 when the financial crisis started. <laughs> <laughs> when you couldn't sell any more shirts and dresses. <sighs> well, the, the financial crisis is starting to like uh, suddenly like uh, I remember Obama was like uh, coming up with a plan and they gave like $700 billion to the banks and stuff. It's like, okay, this is going to be really bad. Nobody is going to spend any money buying my stuff anymore so i closed it and and i and it was great that i did it then and because like it was so clear for me this is this is going to go to to poop this is not going to go great so i closed it i didn't i didn't lose any money and i made some money and i was able to save some money to actually travel so i was like yeah yeah like i closed it at the right moment when all of that stuff was happening because people were I remember I was just like so afraid of buying and, and like spending money and with good cause because there a lot of a lot of companies were also very scared to uh to grow and spend money and and hire people so there was a lot of unemployment and so uh, yeah so I mean it was chaos financially so I was able to to close the store before all that chaos well then do you feel like that chapter of of your life or your work is unfinished or was it like was the financial crisis just good timing and you were also ready to be done with it you know it was great timing i i was ready to to stop and and, and not do that anymore uh having to come to mexicali to do that it was uh, uh it was crazy <laughs> uh and, and also, like, creatively, I wanted to move on to different things. Yeah. So what did you move on to? After that, uh, music. Uh, well, I had been doing music for a long time. So I saved the money. I quit my job. And I said, like, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to go tour. So I had the opportunity to go tour in Europe with my music project. So I, uh, I don't know, for six months, I was a full-time musician. <laughs> and I was like uh, doing uh, music and I was touring in, in Europe and in Mexico. What kind of music? It was just like solo project, electronic. Uh, I would play my own uh, like uh, sampling instruments live. So play oh, like what? different synthesizers and, 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 and vocals and I would just like create the songs like Legos, you know, live. Like with a loop pedal? Uh, with Well, actually, I, I used uh, what was it? the Chaos Pad. That, that's what it was called uh, from Korg. And it was a thing that allowed you to create effects with it. You, it, it had like a touch pad. Uh, so you create effects with your finger and just like uh, create amazing dope stuff. But it also had a sampler. So you could create, uh, you could record four different tracks live. And, and not only that, but you can combine them. So suddenly four tracks could become six or eight because you were record on, on top of them. So I had two of those. So that meant that I had eight tracks. Oh, By the way, I'm looking at a picture of this thing. It's ridiculous. It looks so cool. Right? It's, it's, it's like so straight dope. out of Knight Rider or something. You know? Yes, exactly. It looks from the 80s and you touch it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a, all the pixels and, 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 it, and the, the sounds were amazing. So I will connect all of my uh, synthesizers 
uh, I had uh, three synthesizers that would connect them to a mixer. And then that mixer would uh, connect to one of those chaos pads. And in that way, I would like record these things from my mixer. From the mixer will go to the chaos pad where I will record the samples. And I would, in like the samples, I would also apply some effects right there on the chaos pad and use the, uh, the synthesizers in it. And I will sing and, and just like create songs live. Uh, and that, that was a little bit, uh, I, th- I think, I don't, uh, that sounds going to sound pretentious, but uh, I think it was a little <laughs> bit uh, ahead of time, uh, ahead of its time, because like <laughs> people will look at me and will be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, and I will be just in front of people. And I would also like be invited <laughs> to both live events and also to DJ events. So, because like it, it was also like kind of electronic music, but it was like also played played live. So I was able to like navigate between those two worlds, the DJ events and the and the live uh, music events. Uh, so that was great because that that allowed me to just like uh, being able to play in different places uh, and with different promoters. But also like people, I feel like we're not prepared for that kind of stuff. But now you see it a lot. Like uh, you see a lot of people just like uh, playing live with synthesizer and mixing their own music live. And I was like, oh, come on. I was doing it back in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> you did not pay attention to me. Ahead of your time, Pablo. Ahead yes. of your time. Ahead of my time, yes. Well, so you did it for six months. I mean, were people responding or what it ultimately ended up happening that you stopped? I did it for more than that, but I did for six months. I quit my job and I said, I'm only going to do this. And I was in Europe, like traveling and doing that. But before that, I think I, I've been, like I was saying, I've been playing in bands and playing music uh, for, for a long time. And uh, uh, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> like what ultimately made you stop? Oh, well, uh, being an artist, it's, uh, it's not good financially. <laughs> and uh-huh. so after six months, I, I got offered a job and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be able to get this job and still keep doing my dream as an artist. And this is going to finance my dream as a musician. But then you get into a job and then you priorities change and then you don't have time. And so I wasn't able to continue working on my music anymore, just like sporadically, like whenever I have time. And I would just do it more as a side thing and not as a, as a real thing. And now I'm, I'm actually working on a new album after so many years. Hey, oh, music. Shit. okay. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, do you regret stopping that? Uh, but it sounds like maybe you never did. It has always been on the back burner. It's always been something that I do and I only share with some friends and I never share it with the world. And, and now I'm like, hey, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to put some music out there. And if people like it, cool. And if not, it's cool too. But I'm going to go full on. I'm going to make videos and all that stuff. And I'm going to do shows. Uh, let's see what happens. It struck me as odd when you said that you didn't put your stuff out there because I feel like you're so open with the rest of your work. Like you're very willing to share work in progress. Is there something that you're self-conscious about with the music that you're not with design? Yes, I'm very self-conscious about my music. And I, because I see other musicians and they're amazing and they're I don't think my stuff is as good as theirs. So I obviously get like, oh, everybody's going to think that I suck, which is okay. At the same time, I I, I don't know. I, 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 I do have that creative fear with my music. I still, and now I'm like, hey, I have to overcome it. And people won't even care. 
it's it's okay. Like uh, when you share something and people don't like it, they just don't like it and move on. And so I, I should just like I put it out there. I'm going to lose that fear, hopefully. Yeah, I, I, I guess tease it apart for me a little bit more because did you ever have this fear with your illustrations and, and animations and comics? Like were you scared to put some of this stuff out there? Uh, yeah. Like I, I can imagine music is a scary thing, but like trying to put out humor, <laughs> you know, like that's even scarier to me, this comic stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would say that the first time I shared my comics, it was, I didn't think that anyone would pay attention anyway. So there was no fear because who who cares? So I just put it out there and then suddenly, like, and I'm talking about 2012 when I started sharing some of my comics, web comics, and it was just like random comics. And I would put them in a site called Nine Gag, which is kind of, it was kind of like an image aggregator. Uh, and before you could create your own profile and, and share it and people would comment and I don't know, people pay attention and it was great. I was like, wow. So I started like doing like a comic every two or three days and it became like a, I did a lot of that stuff, but it was so random. I was not, it was just like comics, just like weird stuff. Then later after working at, I don't know, at a startup in San Francisco, like in getting a little bit more of a Silicon Valley culture and startup culture, I created a comic series that it was that was pick a little bit about that and a little bit about my experience, and it was called the Design Team. It's called the Design Team. Yes, and mm -hmm. still active. Uh, yes. Well, it's been a while, but yes, loosely active. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. The the first time I shared it, I was yeah, I was pretty scared, but at the same time, I was like, who cares? Nobody. If nobody sees it or if somebody sees it and, and doesn't like it, they're not. That's going to be the end of it. And so w what is there to fear? But I do remember people liking it. And, and that was like, that was actually more, I was more scared because actually people were reacting to it. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. I was going to say is like, they're actually <laughs> very funny and they resonate so deeply with just uh -huh. how the design and technology world actually is. So I, yep. I wrote down like, what is your inspiration for each entry? Like, how do you come up with, you know, name names, Pablo, name names. Yeah. <laughs> T tell me who. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, that's uh, a lot of the people. Well, a lot of the characters in the in the series are based in real people. And these real people were like my team. Yes. One of them very is very recognizable. I want to ask about that. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. Have, we're joking about the naming names thing. You don't have to do that. But there yes. is a person that you are very openly referencing somebody. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I suppose you're talking about the character called Toby Bon Schnitzel. <laughs> And yes. it, it is very clear that it's referencing Heifer from Rocco's Modern Life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course, obviously. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it is uh, like a, a great designer, T Tobias von Schneider. It, and it looks like him. And it was just more, I suppose, like as an outsider, like I, I at least in, that, in those times, I felt I was an outsider of the design community, so I felt like I was able to to see it as uh, from a distance and being able to criticize it. Now I'm a, I think I'm too deep in it, and I, so once you're <laughs> in, it's it's hard to to use real people. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but back then it was more. I, I suppose I I saw him as a 
as the, I don't know, prototype of what a designer is. So for me, it was like, hey, this this is a, a, an amazing designer that people admire. So in a way, it was a lazy way for me to uh, to use a, a, a recognizable character, a recognizable figure in the design community and put him. Yeah, it was a, it was a shortcut for me. Yeah. Uh, but actually, uh, Tobias like took it really well and shared it. Then he took it with humor, and I I'm super grateful for him to being so uh, so cool. And he's an, an amazing person. And uh, I uh, uh, he, and he shared it actually on Twitter. And, and remember when he shared it, I was like, oh my oh, god, shit. <laughs> so I I was so scared too because like oh people are going to hate me because they love him. Uh, uh, but no, people were like, oh yeah, it's just an, it's just in good fun. It wasn't, I don't, it wasn't a coming from a place of, uh, uh, hate or malice. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, oh, making fun of, uh, the, the industry that sometimes I, I feel like we take ourselves a little bit too seriously. Oh boy. Do we ever, we need to make ourselves, make fun of ourselves. Cause otherwise, yeah, yeah. Darkness lies down that path. Well, yeah. So tell me, like, what is the point of this? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you have goals around this series, or is it just an outlet of of the things you're experiencing right now? I think it was, yeah, an outlet for me to, uh, in a way, I had just worked for two years straight uh, at a startup, uh, like intensely, not being able to work in any side project or anything that. That was the only thing I was doing. And I was like, through this process, I was also learning a lot because it was my first time working as a UX designer uh, or whatever, interaction designer, product designer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but back then, I didn't know what that was. I was just a designer, potentially just a, a web designer or someone that would just play around with things and make them look cool. So for me, it was a very intense learning experience and then I, uh, I i thought hey you know what i should go back to writing comics as a creative outlet and i saw it as, i saw this as an opportunity to document what i went through what i had still was still going through and i found it also just like ripe for comedy because i while I was learning and while I was uh, uh, going through uh, learning about the community and and, and and the industry, like I I realized like, oh, what, why is everyone so serious about this stuff? <laughs> like, and, and at the same time, like realizing that I wasn't the only one going through that process of learning and that other people were also just like figuring out stuff as they were going. So that that was also like funny for me, and and I thought, and also relatable, and I wanted to share that uh, too, where I went through that, and I'm sure that other people have gone through that or are going through that, and hopefully, uh, people are going through that realize that uh, that we're all learning, and that if you have I don't know imposter syndrome or you feel like you're not you're inadequate, like you're number one, you're not the only one, but that doesn't mean that you're not good it's just normal because you're learning while you're going through it yep so so yeah i my idea was like hey potentially if i share these things that i felt other people are going to connect with that and and hopefully i get to to learn from uh, what other people have felt but also like encourage other people to know that they're not alone 
So if there was any agenda, was that. Okay. And so you put it out there. And at this point, you've done several entries. What's the response been? Like, how are people reacting to this? I think uh, most, it has been mostly positive. And I have shifted one, I have shifted the, the characters where the more of the stories revolve around the character that looks like me. Uh, it's pretty much just me. And, and this is because I think I realized like there's an opportunity for me to share more of like, like, Hey, this is, this is really me. This is, uh, this is, these are the things that I feel. Uh, and, and so there's no, there's no mask. This is like, and be as vulnerable as possible. So I think, uh, people have reacted well to that. Uh, I also changed the style. Uh, because it used to be like with color and 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 everything was painted, but now I'm like, oh man, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I changed to just black and white and really thick uh, outlines, and and that has become my style. But it, to be honest, that style became out of necessity because uh, because it is easier to just be more productive and put things out there that way. So. So yeah, I, I I think uh the response has been positive so far and some people it has started some conversations and and has given me the opportunity to actually just like uh share more about those things that I think in other avenues like in speaking opportunities or going with different teams and talking to them which is like super weird for me. It was like, a, I'm just the guy that just like makes comics, but okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll share with you what I think. And, and, and I'm super grateful for that opportunity too, because I, you, I'm usually invited to like teach or like to share my things, but I, I'm, my interest is actually going there and learn and take as much as I can from the other people that are there. Uh, so I'm super grateful for that. So we've diverged a bit from, I guess, your, your journey, but I want to hang on here for a minute because I want to know how you think about fame. Like at this point, you're, you have a lot of internet followers. Like, how does that strike you? Is that something that is exciting for you and important to you? Or do you not care? I, you can be honest too. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm going to sound not, not honest, but I, to be, to be honest, I don't. I try not to care. Okay. I I try not to be influenced by that and uh, and not being influenced by the numbers or or I I do but it's but it's hard not to, right? It's it, and it's hard not to also see the numbers and see like hey, if I share something uh, all of these people are going to see it, so then I should be more thoughtful about things that I share and and not be as careless. Uh, when you when you don't have uh, followers, then you get the you have the luxury of just like sharing whatever. And it doesn't matter. Like I was saying before, right? It doesn't matter because nobody cares. But now that I have followers, I suppose I there is that. Uh, sometimes I will like think twice about. I have to think twice or thrice. Sometimes I will delete my tweet because like, oh, what, what was I thinking? No, I should delete that. Uh, uh, so that it that can be also very uh, limiting sometimes because then I stop myself from sharing something that I wish I had just shared, just felt uh, the freedom to just share it, uh, and I that freedom goes away when you feel like there's a responsibility of what you're saying. Uh, I, uh, I actually this happened to me a long time ago. Uh, 
I share, I create a comic uh, about a series and I started a series of comics about a kid and it starts with a kid that is like thinking about committing suicide. And then uh, another character just like comes and talks to this character and just like uh, they work it out together. The kid decides not committing suicide. And that's how the story begins. And it's just like there are multiple episodes. And then I started getting messages from from people uh, saying how much it meant for them to seeing uh-huh. yeah. uh, a hmm. character being reflected in a story that felt some things that they also felt and that that gave them cur- courage to keep going. And they, because they saw themselves reflected in another character, even though it was just a comic and just a dumb cartoon, at least for me, it was just that. Uh, but for them, it meant something. And when I received those messages, and there were a lot of messages and in emails, personal emails, I I felt, well, number one, like it, it was great hearing their stories and seeing that, that it meant something for them. But it also, I felt so fearful because what if I had done the opposite? What if I had, my message had caused them to to do the opposite and actually go forward with uh, taking their lives. And, and, and I, that just, that stopped me. I had to stop making the comics because I, I, I enter panic mode. No, this, there's too much responsibility in this. I mean, the, the, didn't that happen with the Netflix show? I can't remember the name of it, but there was a show that like after people watched it, people who are prone to, to suicide were more motivated to do that. Did you oh, read about this? 13 Reasons Why or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wasn't that a huge issue? I I know that there were uh, some comments about that. I, I don't know exactly. i never seen the show, but I know there were some news about that. But I can imagine that, yeah. Yeah, Here here's the headline on CNN. Teen suicide rates spiked after the that show premiered on Netflix. Oh. So anyways, to your point, like, I don't know. I guess... That is totally a legitimate fear, right? That people could interpret this in one way that is outside of what you really intended. Yeah, and my intention was just to tell a story, which I, sometimes I even thought like, oh, it, it's dumb that it started that way. It's so cheesy. and, uh, and But for, for some people, it meant something. And I, I don't know, that paralyzed me. That like suddenly I started caring too much about this. And which with again, my intentions were like good. I was like, no, I should stop because this is going to this can take another direction, a uh, 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 negative direction. So I'm going to stop. Totally, yeah, yeah. But then it makes me think. Oh, I I let that determine my creativity or determine the work that I should do, and I shouldn't I shouldn't do that. But at the same time, but at least that one I. It's okay that I did, <laughs> but other things like like now you're asking me, hey, you have followers and stuff, and now I have to say like, no, I, you know what? I've decided not to care, and if there's people that are going to, I don't know, like not like what I do, I or like something that I do too much, that can also be negative because suddenly if someone like I don't know if you look at the numbers of your most viewed. Uh, video or your most liked medium uh, uh, post, then you're going to think, oh, I should do more of that. 
I should only do that because that's the one that people liked. Uh, and then you, your creativity is limited by what people want and not by what you want to do and what you, that you're influenced by the numbers and not influenced by the things around you and the, uh, the things that you learn and the, 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 the technologies that you experiment with. I, I prefer having that as my, the thing that leads my creativity and not the numbers and not the the comments like i actually i just like the comments on youtube and stuff i don't read them and i uh, <laughs> that's probably I a good idea yeah well okay can we talk about the thing that happened <laughs> the thing that happened so yeah. for people who don't know maybe just give a little backstory because you you did something on twitter uh at the time of this recording it was 10 days ago so october 17th yeah you want to just catch us up on sort of what happened i'm curious how you're thinking through yeah people people tweeting at you yes so two weeks ago i shared a a new thing that i made and it was a, a website with different illustrations and it's called open doodles and the idea behind it was just like uh sharing uh a set of illustrations and well i don't know if illustrations more like doodles and sketches uh, and share them and open them and share them for free for anyone to use and also make it very easy for anyone to use, like also non-designers. So if you're a non-designer, you can download the SVG uh, or you can download the PNG or you can open the source file too and just play around with it. And the idea, uh, one, was to, uh, 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 number one, like designing in the open and it's like hey this is how I, I made something and uh and also like making it even though they're my doodles like making design more accessible for people that are non-designers and also for people that are just potentially just starting and yeah i think uh and and also well there are many uh, there was i suppose many ideas on why i made it free and open uh and i think uh, some people did not like that I made it uh, or yeah. uh, uh, thought that uh, me making illustration uh, free was devaluing their work and their craft as illustrators. Uh, and yeah, and I think uh, that's where the debate came from. And then there was like a, a lot of people commenting on that on, on, on Twitter because I was very open about like my, I think that's what caused that too because it wasn't just like a, another free set of illustrations, but I was very, I even wrote about why I was making it free and why I was making it open. And it, was, it wasn't it was just free, but also opening the source file. And here's, if you want to work on it, you can do whatever you want with it. And I also put a license, like a CC0 license, where it's like, you don't even have to give me credit if you want to use it for uh, personal or commercial use, feel free to do that and don't even mention my name. It's okay. So uh, a lot of people thought that was uh, a, a bad precedent, I suppose, for their craft and for what they make. And that said, uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, the value their work because suddenly like uh, the potential clients or potential people that will hire them will be like, oh, well, there's there's this other thing that is free. Why are you charging me so much? Or why, wh why, why should I even pay you when I can just get this for free? 
that's I suppose the argument was coming from where I was. Uh, well, what what do you think of that? Well, I don't know. I I I I have to. I don't agree with that argument. I understand where it's coming from. That doesn't mean that I uh, agree with it. I think uh, it's coming from from an idea that there's only so much out there and that there's only a limited set of people that are willing to pay for art or for illustration work and that now those people are going to be choosing my doodles, <laughs> like ugly doodles, that I, I, I might add, over their professional work. And so that the value makes makes it harder for them to uh, to ask for for their work to be paid. So they, I, I, I think, I, I think it's a very limited way of seeing the world. Uh, like how there's only one pie, and that's it. We only get everyone gets to only eat from this small pie. And if you suddenly make something free, then that makes uh, uh, less people being able to eat from that pie. I uh, that it, my illustration then it's making their it's replacing their work, and I don't see it as that. I see it as uh, the opposite. I think uh, that uh, making design more accessible in general, not just the illustration. Uh, really brings more value to our work, and 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 I know this sounds like the opposite, uh, but it's I I think that when people see the opportunity of what the sun can make, when they are able to apply it in their own things, then they see what it can create, then they see the value of it, then they see that oh this is what designers make, this is what my thing could look like if with design. So then the value of design goes up uh, uh, because more people are aware of it and more people are able to see it. When it's exclusive, then you only see it as something that you cannot have and that only if you have the money you can have. So it's design is something that has become something that is exclusive uh, from someone that is a non-designer. So then suddenly you create just crappy things and then you think hey my crappy thing is not as bad and you never value design because at the end of the day the crappy thing is out there and some people are using it or some people are doing something with your crappy looking thing yeah but when you are able to add design to it then you see like oh more people number one potentially more i'm, I'm getting more people to use my product or my thing or more it's getting more attention because is I've been able to apply design to it and I've been able to to make it look good or make it uh, more easier to use. So then you, you're, I, I want to think that then, then opens the minds of other people and seeing the value of what design can bring. And it can, and that's not exclusive to design. I see it in like suddenly like other people being able to see what code can create and what uh, uh mix in different languages can uh, can create and, and and working on on top of the work of other people can make and suddenly you see the value of uh, uh having i don't know programming and then you want to hire more programmers or i don't know <laughs> am i explaining this well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you are I, i'm just glad that you have like an articulation for this and and you it seems to me that you heard other people's points of view 
I wanted to dig in on like the meta side of this of like Twitter design Twitter in general, but maybe Marshall, if you had another question before I go there. No, I was just going to sum up what he had said to make sure I understood, which is basically by offering these things for free, you've opened the people who download your illustrations to recognize how valuable illustration can be so that next time they need an illustration, they might pay somebody for it, whereas before they might not have seen the value in it. Is that accurate? That is one, yeah, that is one of the reasons, yeah. I see as just because someone uses a free illustration right now doesn't mean that they're not going to be paying for an illustrator later or not going to be always going to seek free illustration. I think uh, people understand that with a free set like mine, there are limitations. There is not going to be exactly it's not going to tell exactly their story. It's not going to potentially adapt to their brand guidelines. And and also is potentially and in, in eventually going to not be very original because everyone is using it. And <laughs> mm-hmm. then suddenly they're going to be like, oh, I I need something else because now I, I saw the value of illustration. Now I saw that my side or my invitation or whatever I did looked so looked better with illustration, and I was able to tell a better story with illustration uh, uh, and make my my, my point uh, more understandable. Like now I'm ready to potentially or either pay for a premium set or hire an illustrator or I don't know. Like I, I want to think that it's a gateway having, drug. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a gateway drug. To, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's how I see it. Whereas like a mine was just a gateway drug. And then suddenly you get addicted to illustration and you get to other people get to use it in other places. I, like, but thinking the opposite is very short term focus whereas like you're only seeing because in that moment because that person didn't buy that illustration then doesn't mean that they're not going to buy it later uh and and also someone else is going to see that product where they use illustration and then they're going to like oh look at that i want that and and i seen it like with free fonts or uh free uh open source code where suddenly light versions of apps, right? Like you can get the light version, it's free, but the the full version that you pay for has a bunch more features. You get yes. your foot in the door, yeah. But you don't get to see that only until you try it, until you get to Im- invest a little bit of it, and then you see the value of it. Yep, they're never gonna buy that thing before, but now that they've gotten a taste, they will probably maybe buy it because they realize the value. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and and I uh, I think that is one other reasons another reason is like i want to give back to be honest because i i've been benefiting throughout my whole career from a lot of free stuff that i got in like from other people that have shared their ui kits or their texture backgrounds or their buttons with gradients and uh, slices in the corners before there were corner radius in CSS. <laughs> yeah, nine slices. Oh man. Yes. Like, dark days. Dark days. Dark days. <laughs> and all those gigantic high-resolution PSD files that I used to download and inspect and learn from them and see how they they did something and then copy uh, uh, one layer that I liked and put in my own illustration, for example, use a texture here. Or also, like, I was able to learn uh, a lot of 
coding and HTML and CSS from looking at other people's work and downloading their uh, free templates and their free uh, uh, sources. And only then I was able to like inspect it and, and see it and see how it was built and, and, and learn from that. So I hope that my ugly doodles inspire someone else to create beautiful doodles and share them too. So other aspiring illustrators can open them and see how it was done. That it wasn't, and I don't want to just share the static PNG flattened illustration where you don't get to learn anything. You just like try to uh, assume how something was done, but only until you actually see the layers and, oh, okay, they used a mask here. Oh, they they made the library this way. Oh, they named uh, uh, the components this way. Uh, and they organized things this way. Only then, when you see the 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 dishes in in the kitchen, you get to see how uh, the 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 meal was done and mm-hmm. how how the sausage was made. Yes, and I I I want other designers to be able to see that and. Uh, uh, and, and there's no other way to do that only by sharing the source and also sharing like with tutorials and stuff, which I, uh, I s- try to do that too. You know how I learned uh, HTML? How? Right click inspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then you have to see the source. Yeah. So tell me, I mean, obviously there was lots of people that were supportive of what you put out. And then as we mentioned, there was people that were concerned about what you made I want to maybe step up one level from that and just talk about, from your point of view, what it's like to be the topic of design Twitter for a week. Like, how did you handle it? Do you feel like you wish you'd done anything different? Do you, does it make you change the way that you want to use Twitter and, and talk to people online? Like what happened in the aftermath? Number one, I am super grateful from a lot of uh, positive feedback and a lot of people showing their support and their love. I am. I'm. I don't know. I, f- I felt blessed and and privileged of having that. And at the same time, just like being seen, also all the discussions. I, I think, it was overwhelming, uh, really overwhelming. Just because I was going through other things, also at the same time, personal things. So suddenly getting a lot of notifications and 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 uh, it just it was too much. And also, like seeing all the negative comments, like "Oh man, that's that sucks." Also, when it came from a lot of people that I that I act generally admire, that I the people that I look up to, that I follow, and then it's just like I really like their work. And some of these people were like, "We're not liking what I did." So it, it felt in the beginning, I just felt like, "Oh man, it, uh, I, I don't know. It, it felt sad. I felt sad, and I felt uh, I, I felt a little bit depressed for a moment. But then I was like, you know what? I I should go back to not. I don't, I don't know if not caring, but more like don't let that like put you down. I uh, and all I could do was just like uh, be in the back and and just like let people express what they wanted to express. And, and if they wanted to have a discussion, let them have the discussion. Like I, f- I felt like if I jumped into the discussion, I would I would only bring noise and more because I was also a little bit too emotional in the moment. So whatever I would say, it would just be 
potentially just like be worse, make things worse. So like, no, you know what? Just like shut up and just like let people express uh, their feelings and let let them express where they're coming from. And I think uh, I, there were a lot of people just like uh, going back and, and forth in, in threads and conversations. So number one, it was hard to follow. And, and I did follow a couple of them. And it personally, just like it felt like, yeah, it felt down. I'm still human and I still feel like a lot of the things that were written felt a little personal. And and they were, they were saying that my duels were ugly. <laughs> they were just like, <laughs> so it's like, oh man, oh, no. I, I mean, I know they're ugly, but you don't have to say it as that. <laughs> so and they were just like unoriginal and, and horrible. I just, so I was like, okay, I, I get it. I know they're not that great, but you don't have to say it as that. You know that I'm over here reading this stuff, right? <laughs> so I don't know. It, it felt, I, to be honest, I had to ignore it. Uh, I received a lot of messages and a lot of comments and I just moved on. I That was my strategy. Only until now, actually, I'm starting to reply to a lot of uh, messages, uh, personal messages that I got on my inbox. So because those, I think those are, it's important for the people that took the time to write something. It's important for me to to write back and 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 so so they know that I I don't know they they took the time I owe it to them so I I am starting to do that so um, it is ten days after that so only until now so you're going to get an email back <laughs> <laughs> you're working your way through the backlog I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm working my way through them but I I also got a lot of positive uh, vibes and a lot of positive messages so I think I'm I'm also keeping those too uh, and I don't know. No, it it I'm just trying not to let that affect me. That's all, okay. and not let that uh, uh, keep make me not put stuff out there. And yeah. I go back to the example I was telling you. Those messages that I received, there were really positive messages from people that were uh, going through some difficult times and sharing about their uh, attempts of suicide. That stopped me. And. I think it was good that it stopped me back then, but I feel I feel now I, I feel a little bit stronger now and I feel like uh, I can take it and it's okay and I can, I'll just have to ignore it and that's it and just keep doing what I, what I like doing and hopefully there's some people that like what I do and that's it. Yeah, I just wonder, I don't know, is this the price of an admission for having as many followers as you do that you're like, at this point, you're not gonna please everybody, right? You're gonna piss some people off or you're going to do something that offends one person or another. And obviously you want to avoid that as best you can, but at some point, like yeah. you've got to do you. Yes, exactly. So uh, you got to be careful with what you say. Yes. Because yes. Uh, you got to be conscious of that. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, people reading it. And, but at the same time, you shouldn't stop yourself from, from sharing what is true to you. But at the same time, not just be an asshole and be like, oh, if you don't <laughs> yeah. like it, screw you. Like being also able to be open and listen to what other people have to say and, and, and learn from that. That's the point of sharing. That's the point of like also like making something open, like what I did with the uh, open doodles was also one of the selfish reasons I put it out was uh, one of the selfish reasons I put it out there was like for me to learn. Hopefully, I was hoping for people to tell me, hey, you could have done this this way. Hey, uh, what if you uh, reduce the number of vectors by doing this? Or if you use, uh, I don't know, colors this other way. That I, I 
hope I, I get, I, I've gotten some messages actually about some things that I could have done better. And so with a comment or a tweet, I, I hope to get that too, where I can grow uh, and I can listen to, to other people and be open to what they have to say without letting that affect me as being true to me, <laughs> whatever that means. I, yeah, I, I hope it won't affect you and like change who you are. Um, I don't know. I, I understand that it's complicated and there's multiple perspectives. Yep. And I think for from my point of view, like I think it's useful to explore those perspectives and everyone can make up their own mind and not everybody's going to agree. Like it's a perspective for a reason and uh, the best you can do is articulate your side and your point of view and, and try and meet people halfway when it feels appropriate. But otherwise, you know, there's going to be differences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on that note, maybe we should, I don't know, we skipped so much of, of your life, but I don't want to, we're, we're almost an hour and 20 minutes into this. So uh, being conscious of time, uh, maybe it feels good to go into our cool things and wrap up unless there's anything else you wanted to cover, Pablo. Uh, no, let's, let's jump to the cool things. Enough about me. I, I'm so tired about talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> You're done talking. All right, cool. Yes. All right, well, let's do some cool things. And you have the choice if you want to start us off or if you want us to, to break the ice. Uh, you start. I don't know how to talk about my cool thing this week. I'm not sure how people will feel about this. Let me pose a question to you guys. Did you ever play the Call of Duty Modern Warfare series of video games. Familiar. I did. Yes, totally. Also Black Ops. Yes. Did you play Modern Warfare 2? I believe that's regarded as one of the best COD yes. games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Modern Warfare 2, it, it was still like a, from Call of Duty. Well, they're all from Call of Duty, right? Yeah. They're all the Call of Duty series. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. And that was it. Was that in Iraq, I think? Or what was it? I mean, they all kind of bounce they're around the world. The place. Actually, there's not even a main character you kind of play oh, as different correct, people. Oh, that's not correct, Marshall. Oh, is it this <laughs> one? In most Call not most Call of Duty, and the Call of Duty games that I've played, you don't always play as the same character throughout. Yes, yes, you bounce around characters, you bounce around locations. I guess, okay, well, here, do you remember why Modern Warfare 2 was uh, controversial? Oh, yeah, the airport scene. Yes, the airport oh, scene. Oh, yeah, no Russian. No Russian. All right, so for people who didn't play the game, Modern Warfare 2 was a very controversial game because in the campaign, there is a mission where you played as a Russian terrorist and you go into an airport and you commit an act of terror in the airport. Mm, clarification. You have the choice to. You have the choice to. You are part of a group that is doing it. You yeah, don't have to pull the people around you will do it, whether you do it or not, but you have the choice whether you shoot anyone or not. So, And, and I did not in my playthrough, and I was like, oh, let me go through. Okay, fine. I could play as pacifist. Pacifist is still a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so my cool thing is the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare game came out this week, and... This is, so every other year, a different publisher makes an entry into the series. So there's the Treyarch series, which is popular for the Black Ops uh, series of the game. And then there's the Infinity Ward. And they kind of have their own play styles and game mechanics. And they're very different, but it's all under the same brand. And so this year, it's a continuation of the Infinity Ward. And they're the company that also made the uh, Modern Warfare 2 with that controversial airport scene. So anyways, I played the campaign. And... This one is tough. It was a tough campaign to play. For the same reason? For the same reason, but inverted. I don't think you ever play a terrorist, but you. there are flashback scenes where you are in a terrorist attack 
from the perspective of a, a child. Oh boy. And oh. it's like really fucking heavy and could be disturbing for, for many people. But ultimately I guess I'm sharing it cause it was like a pretty powerful game play uh, or like play through. Like it is very cinematic. There a lot of, a lot of cutscenes in this year's release. Like you're basically just watching a movie and you kind of walk through the movie and parts of that movie are from the perspective of, you know, it, people suffering at the hands of terrorists. So anyways, for people who are interested in this video game, I thought the campaign was really well executed. The game is fun. I'm now moved on to multiplayer, which is much more casual and and you don't feel super guilty uh, shooting uh, the bad guys in that version. But yeah, holy shit, the campaign on this one was, uh, you know, Marshall, I know you're into these like story-driven kind of video games and this one, the story's okay. It's the generic Russian bad guys, and you're you're out to stop them. But there are these cutscenes that are pretty powerful and compelling. So, hmm. yeah, I wasn't planning on playing this one just because, like, Call of Duty has is mostly known for its multiplayer, right? Like, yeah, the the campaign is kind of a throwaway for for most players of Call of Duty. So, and I and I kind of have been drawn into thinking of it like that too. I forget that there's a single player, but when this one came out, I was like, oh, there'll be new videos in my recommended feed, I guess. But I never considered playing it. But maybe I will now if you say the single player is good. Usually, not usually, sometimes the single player isn't all that good in Call of Duty games. So I don't know how you'll feel about it because I think your, your sort of metric for quality is coming from games like God of War, which has... You know, like an incre- or the newest one was regarded as having an incredible story. So I don't know. Maybe it won't live up to that. But as far as Call of Duty games go, and like just also technically the way the games have progressed and how fucking real it looks, it's insane. So yeah, I don't know. You could poke around or, or watch a couple of videos and see if it's interesting. All right, I'll, I'll press F to pay respects. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's my cool thing. I don't know if that's necessarily cool. Dark topics. But what is the name of the new Modern Warfare? Or does it have a name? Just Modern Warfare. Yeah. The games do this. It's like after a while, it's the same thing is true of God of War. There was a game called God of War 20 years ago. And then eventually they make so many of them. They're like, fuck it. It's one again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Tomb Raider yeah. did the same thing. Or you just throw a, you just slap a the in front of it. And then it's a new thing. Well, here, I'll say that if people remember playing Modern Warfare 2, the multiplayer was phenomenal. Probably one of the most fun multiplayer experiences I've ever had. And I think this one so far is they've brought it back. They've brought it back to its roots. Like in recent iterations, they got super futuristic and you had jetpacks and shit like that. No, it's back to the roots. You are just a grunt on the ground. The multiplayer is very, very fun this year. So, Well, the problem is they c- they come out with one of these every year, and that's why they have different studios working on it is because they have to have like, you know, f- four uh, irons in the fire at once because it takes like four ga- four years for each one of these games to come out. So you kind of have, have to have a few of them cooking at a time so that they can be a staggered release. And that's why they come out so frequently. So I think there's a bit of... Same thing has happened with like Assassin's Creed where there's this kind of numbing aspect to it. It was like, oh, great, another Call of Duty game every year, every year. So they have to do interesting new things like, oh, this one's, well, we've done plenty of World War II. So w- what about this is uh, set in the future and you have like future weapons and yeah, stuff yeah. That, and that breathes some life back into it. But then people get sick of that and then you have to go back to an old thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Now it's back to the roots and the roots are oh so sweet if you have nostalgic memories like I do of of playing Modern Warfare 2. Cool. All right. Enough about that. That's my cool thing. Cool thing. Uh, do you want me to go, Pablo? Yeah, I can go. I was going to share uh, 
about uh, Bruno Simon's portfolio. Yeah, yeah. I think he released it this week. And it's uh, like a WebGL 3D experience uh, from Bruno Simon. And he's, I suppose he's more of a developer. Like a, he, I think he describes himself a, as a creative developer. And in the portfolio, you use a, a truck, a little car to navigate like a green field uh, where you'll be able to see more of his work obviously as a portfolio, but there are a lot of uh, little hidden gems and games. So you can play like a, like a bowling game and also jump in ramps. And just like almost everything is destroyable. So you can just like destroy it with your car, just like a, a crash crash it. And uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's, it's pretty cool. And it has also like an amazing sound design too. So, and, and you control it as a game. Too. We're so we're we're also speaking of games here too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so good. I I retweeted it, and one of the small details that I love is the title of the website. Like when you're looking at the tabs in your browser, the title will sort of redraw itself as you're driving around. So there's a little car, and it'll sort of move left and right as you're driving around. Like that's a tiny detail that like doesn't matter. He could could have just made the title his name, right? Like Bruno Simon's portfolio, but instead just these little touches. And certainly within the game, you get lots more like that, like little nods and and cool interactions. So that's cool. Yeah, this is fun. It's very fun too. Oh, I have to say, I'm not sure how like effective it is at getting people to view the work itself because you kind of just want to drive around and ram into blocks but yeah uh certainly if you dig enough you can enter and and explore his work so yeah it's it's kind of like the portfolio is the work the the medium is the message right the medium is the message yeah, yeah. and and so you get like you don't even need to see the examples of his work it's already there <laughs> you're like sold sold, sold. he's capable yes. of this <laughs> all right cool Hired. yeah yeah <laughs> well cool cool thing uh we'll have a link to that in the show notes uh but it's bruno simon.com correct yes all right marshall wrap us up Last but not least. Okay, so my cool thing this week is a television series. I've been watching it with a fiance for maybe the past few weeks, and it's very, very good. So uh, it's a show called The Good Doctor. Brian, have you heard of this, Pablo? Never heard of it. No. Okay, yeah. And it was like on the periphery of my awareness for the longest time, but... Essentially, it's a it's a story following an autistic surgeon with savant syndrome who is like a, a surgical resident at St. Bonaventure Hospital in San San Jose. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, if you've seen Tropic Thunder, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this, if it's going to be embarrassing or like awkward to watch a, an actor who is not autistic portray an are autistic you, are person. Are you referring to Robert Downey Jr. wearing blackface? <laughs> uh, no, I was referring to the, uh, oh. the line that Robert Downey Jr., the advice he gives to uh, Ben Stiller's character. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Simple Jack. Simple Jack. Yeah. And I was worried that this would jump that particular shark. So I stayed away from it. But I, I've recommended this before, but uh, I watch uh, this guy on YouTube called Dr. Mike. And he has a series where he watches like the first episode of medical series like Grey's Anatomy and ER and stuff like that and comments throughout the episode saying like, this is accurate, this isn't accurate, and then gives little backstories on stuff. Uh, so that was interesting in one of the episodes he did was The the Good Doctor. 
so I'd seen it before and we ran out of shows to watch kind of. And I was looking around and this, this popped up and I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. It is one of the most like heart wrenching and heartwarming shows I've seen in a long time. It's very well acted. Each story is kind of like, it's kind of like house, right? Where there's like a monster of the week kind of thing where there's a, basically a patient of the week that they have to figure out what's wrong with them. And it's usually some obscure esoteric thing that uh, only one person could think of. And that's Sean, the, the, the main character. The entire uh, cast is is really talented. The story is really good. All the all the like not just the inter episode arcs, but like the overall like season arcs of the you know progression of these characters and everything is super fun to watch. Virginia ends up crying at the end of every single episode. I end up teared up at the end of every <laughs> single episode. Oh boy! It's like it's it's a really good show, and I highly recommend it. And and here's a cool little fun fact: the main character Sean, the guy with autism, he is British, and he, so he's he's a non-autistic, non-American playing an autistic American. And I would never have fucking guessed because his accent is flawless. Well, it's kind of hard to tell because he has an interesting speech pattern that's you know not entirely average but like he like his r's and everything like r's are the hardest like letter to say the american r is a really weird mouth shape but like no problem whatsoever got it got it right down it's great yeah it's really cool to watch but yeah anyways the good doctor i think uh season three just started we're still working our way through season two but uh, it got renewed for season three which just started in like september i think so there's plenty of episodes to watch i think like 20 something per season so oh wow okay if you're looking for a new show boy oh boy do i got one for you and you want to cry a lot <laughs> if you want to cry and watch some people do good accents there you oh go. yeah <laughs> and the the surgery stuff is very i don't know if it's accurate or not but boy they are, they do not shy away from showing some gore and ooh, so like ooh. so i'll i watch it while i work on my computer and anytime it's like okay we're gonna scrub in like okay i'm just gonna listen to this scene because i don't need to see this tumor or whatever that they're gonna show oh, and, man. I, and i think it's actually like real i mean when they're like operating on somebody that's obviously like prosthetics and everything but if they have like a scope or something going down in somebody's stomach or whatever like that's actually real footage it seems like Uh. so yeah there's i'm not sure how accurate the show is or whatever but it's very entertaining and i like it very much so i recommend you watch it all right there you go cool thing there you go I think also house i think huge laurie or laurie yeah Hugh laurie yep he was also British. Yeah, yeah, and he plays an American undetectably. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. What is it with these doctors taking taking our jobs, Brian? Yes. <laughs> all, these, all these doctor actors, all these ta- British actors taking our fake American <laughs> doctor jobs. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> well, Pablo, this has been so delightful. I'm glad we got to finally have you on the show. 320 episodes in. Uh, about time. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for uh, allowing me and giving me time to share a little bit about me. Sometimes I, I feel like uh, it's like uh, having the opportunity to talk about yourself, like uh, lets you discover and remember things that you hadn't even thought about. Like I hadn't 
thought about like the fashion store for a long time, <laughs> you know, and my music for a long time too. So thank you for that opportunity to just like uh, look back in the past, you know. We'll walk down memory lane. It's hard. I mean, I, I'm sure we missed a million things. And, you know, like if you read the about page of Open Doodles, there are some stories in there about why you are committed to giving away things for free. So I, I know we skipped things, but I'm really glad we got to dig into the, the small piece of your life that we did. So yeah, worst case scenario, we just have you back sometime. Yes, let's let's do that. Future. We'll see it's 640. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, let us know when you're in San Francisco or New York, respectively, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. All right. That's a wrap. That was episode 320 of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Tweet at us. Uh, hit up Pablo if you enjoyed the show and, and want to say hi to Pablo. Please tweet at Pablo. I think you'd probably appreciate hearing. So yeah, go do that. In the meantime, if you are interested in leveling up your design skills, Flatiron School has a 24-week program helping you learn from both industry and teaching experts uh, backed by master teachers and learning experienced designers, helping you level up your chops as a designer. Head to flatironschool.com slash design details. They're going to help you change careers with confidence and they have a money back guarantee to learn more about that. Go to flatironschool.com slash terms. Of course, if you are enjoying the show and want to help us keep the lights on and, and, and help chip in to what it costs to make this show possible, head to patreon.com slash design details. Your support means the world and every dollar uh, that you can pitch in really does make the show possible. So thank you to everyone who's done that so far. We actually milestone. We crossed 50 patrons this week. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Huge. And thank you to everyone who's done that. And yeah, if you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash design details. Thank you. Otherwise, if you want to listen to more podcasts, head to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you. Those shows, as with design details, are produced and edited by Sarah and Drew, master editors and producers who make us sound smarter than we are. So thank you, Sarah and Drew. Another week. All right. That's it. Adios. Adios.